As we thought of the series of Nehemiah, I wonder what we've learnt and appreciated from the scriptures. I thought I knew the story of Nehemiah, but uh, as we've looked at it, I think we've gone nice and deeply into it week by week as we've looked at it. And I thought we'd just have a quick recap at the beginning. In chapter 1 we have Nehemiah's response to the situation in Jerusalem. Those walls broken down, the gates had burnt with fire. And what was Nehemiah's response? He wept and mourned, fasted and prayed. The rebuilding was important as the people were defenceless against the enemy. We have Nehemiah's prayer to the God of heaven. Later, as we have a time of communion, we can thank Jesus for the price he paid at Calvary for the sin of the world. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. But we were reminded that Nehemiah had an important job there for the king as the cupbearer. In chapter 2, Artaxerxes the king sends Nehemiah to Jerusalem, a time to plan and inspect. Nehemiah enjoyed the unreserved confidence of the king. I wonder, do those around us have such confidence in us? Our employers, our friends, our neighbours, can they trust us and be sure of what we say and do? And the king asks Nehemiah what he wanted from him. And what does he do? As so often in the story, he prays to the God of heaven. But then there was opposition from Sambalat the Hornite, Tobiah the Amorite official, and Geshem the Arab. But the people were keen to start rebuilding, and so the work started. And works like this can only are possible with a strong team around. And what was the response to the enemies? The God of heaven will give us success. We need to be in a place that God has put us. Nehemiah sees himself as a missional figure for the glory of God. And it says, the gracious hand of my God was upon me. Chapter 3, the building of the wall had now begun. Each had their own part of the wall to rebuild. And we, in God's kingdom, have our own part to play in his service. We even hear of the high priest and the fellow priest rebuilding the sheep gate and walls. I can't imagine that they'd constructed many walls in their time. And yet they got on with the job in hand and how we should get on with the job of building Christ's 
church. The narrative begins with the sheep gate and then proceeds counterclockwise around the city. About 40 key men named as participants in the reconstruction and about 45 sections and 10 gates named. Nehemiah 3.1 sets the tone. It begins with those spiritual leaders. They had to go out and seek to serve and to build this work. And so, so far until today, all had been going well. And in chapter 4, verse 6, that we had last week. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. And then the opposition are now concerned with the progress that's being made. And the evil one always attacks when we're doing God's work and making progress. When Joshua to succeed Moses and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, Moses spoke these words in Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But when we see opposition, we need to see it as opposition to God's plans and not to us personally. In verse 10 of chapter 4, it says, The strength of the labourers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the walls. These labourers must have worked so hard. They had a goal and they wanted to achieve it. Those walls had laid in ruin for a century and a half. No doubt there was plenty of weeds and tree trunks growing around those uh, wall bricks. As well as the physical tiredness there must have also been the mental toil from the threats, from the opposition that were continually having to dig and wanted to wear them down. And I wonder what rubble do we have in our lives that prevents us from serving the Lord to the full? Maybe on a business front, maybe our health, our prayer life, our family life, our marriages. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. It's more difficult to repair than to build from scratch. And the rubble was a problem here. But God likes to use the broken and the burnt stones. God wants to use people out of their brokenness. 
when everything's going smoothly, where do we place God in our lives? So often in the background. But when things are not going so well, God is often in the foreground. We need his help more than ever. And to repair, they needed to clear the site. Verse 11 says, The opposition continued. Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Either Nehemiah or had friendly informants or the enemy was spreading unsettling rumours. Verse 12, And the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Through chapters 3 to 6, we have a cycle of advance and then setbacks. And verses 10 to 12 would seem to be a setback in the building of the walls. But now we need to remember that God is bigger than the opposition. used to sing a chorus with the children. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing that he cannot do. And verse 2, he calls you to live for him every day in all that you say and you do. And so in the rest of the passage in verses 13 to 23 we have an advance. It's good that God doesn't remove opposition totally from us personally or from the life of the church. If we respond properly, opposition will drive us to greater dependence on the Lord and give us greater determination so that what we do prospers. The historian Will Durant observed, it is said Rome remained great as long as she had enemies who forced her to unity, vision and heroism. When she had overcome all her enemies, she flourished for a moment and then began to die. How do we face opposition? Run away from it? Try to dodge it? Try to work out a compromise? Or do we meet it head on and work through it? And so Nehemiah and the people, they fight back. And verse 13 says, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. Nehemiah posted men conspicuously in the areas that were most vulnerable along the wall. Interesting that the families worked together and they were equipped to fight. Verse 14, after I 
looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Everyone was brought on board. But what were they to do? Remember the Lord. They'd been focusing on their own weaknesses, their own fears, their own limitations. God helps the world to know how great he is through his people fighting to make God's glory known. Where people cut off from God, we will see oppression, violence, gossip, lies, foolishness. There will be damaged relationships and broken societies. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall each to his own work. And so, once again, the work continues with a new emphasis in verses 16 to 20. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armour. The officers post themselves behind the people of Judah, who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. They were ever prepared for attacks. They had an early warning system in place, and the battle cry in verse 20 went out, Our God will fight for us. We may feel as Christians that we're spread out so thinly, but how we need to encourage one another. Then verses 21 to 23, so he continued the work with half the men holding the spears from first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time I also said to the people, Have every man and his helpers stay inside Jerusalem at night, so that they can serve us as guards by night, and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off their clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. There were long days. They were on duty 
night and day. They had their weapons to fight always at hand. And we should never be complacent or unprepared in our Christian walk. Paul did not have an easy life. In 2 Corinthians it says, I worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. But Paul could speak of his personal hardships. He could also describe the spiritual battle that takes place against evil. In Ephesians 6, he says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. How do we deal with with opposition, surely it's through defence and development. We have to fight for our faith in our, on our front lines, in places we find ourselves in the world. And may the Lord give us the strength and the help that we need to serve him and not give up, but to be encouraged and strengthened as we serve him. As we come to a time of communion, we're shortly going to sing a song. have been reading several articles of the Welsh Revival of 1904. How did change take place in that great country? Change took place because there was prayer and confession just like Nehemiah. 
he needed to pray and confess. The song by a Welshman, Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Who is love will not remember, who can cease to sing his praise. We can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the mount of crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide, through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and glorious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above, and heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed the guilty word in love.